Our scripture lesson comes first from the book of Hebrews. I want to read three passages, uh, two, uh, two passages in Hebrews 11 and one in Hebrews 12. That starts on page 1382 in your pew Bible, 1382. And uh, I'd like you to uh, take note of what uh, Abraham and Moses and Jesus were looking forward to. What were they... Uh, On what had they set their hope? Uh, Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 8 and reading through verse 10. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would afterward receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then turning to verse 23 through verse 26. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. And then chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Then my text is taken from 1 Peter chapter 1, particularly verse 13, but I'll read at verse 3, beginning at verse 3, 1 Peter 1, page 1390. 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to pray may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or of what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating 
when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As far the reading of God's word. Beloved of the Lord, the last two years have been particularly stressful for many people. The pandemic has taken the lives of some of our loved ones and has caused many of us to be anxious and to be fearful of what more trouble may come by that pandemic. Travel to visit loved ones has been restricted. The education of our children has been interrupted and greatly diminished. The national election in the fall of 2020 ushered in a new government last year that is intent on promoting uh, abortion and uh, promoting an agenda of sexual immorality and instituting economic policies that threaten to bankrupt our nation. China is engaged in genocide of the Uyghur people. They are imprisoning uh, democratic uh, protesters, uh, protesters uh, promoting pro-democracy demonstrators. They're bulldozing churches. They're imprisoning uh, home church leaders. They're threatening to invade Taiwan. Russia is threatening to invade the Ukraine. Iran is getting ever closer to having uh, nuclear weapons. Thousands of Afghans who were our allies for 20 years were abandoned to be arrested, tortured, or killed by the Taliban. Our southern border is a border practically in name only. Murder rates in our major cities have doubled and sometimes more than doubled. Homelessness and gang violence are rampant. Police are warning people in some cities not to go certain places because the police are no longer able to maintain order and provide protection. It's been a stressful time. And facing all these issues can be quite depressing and discouraging. It makes one want to long for the good old days. Only, truth be known, there never have been good old days. Ever since Adam and Eve were driven out of the garden, there has been crisis and turmoil in the world and things going from bad to worse. Even in times of seeming peace and prosperity, there are forces of wickedness at work in the world sowing seeds that bear bitter fruit soon enough. What are we to do? What can we do? How are we to deal with all of this? Well, we press on. 
We do the work that God has given us to do. When Israel was taken captivity into captivity in Babylon, the prophet said, build houses, get married, plant gardens, do the work that God has given you to do, be multiply, be, uh, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, show compassion to the needy, visit widows and orphans in their distress. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and and whatever you need will be added unto you. And then one more thing. Put your hope in the grace that is coming to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We do all sorts of things in the face of crisis. We, We press on, we carry on, but especially I want to emphasize tonight the words of verse 13. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In times of stress, in times of trial, in times of tribulation, in times of hard work, it's important that our hope rests in the right place. Now, I want to speak to you about this hope upon which we are to uh, set ourselves uh, when will this be given to us? What is it that will be given to us? And, and why should we do this? Well, the when is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter speaks about uh, that uh, a little earlier also. Uh, you are kept by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And uh, you have an inheritance uh, laid up for you in heaven, reserved for you in heaven. And... Uh, He's uh, talking there about the return of Jesus Christ, what theologians call the parousia. In fact, uh, that's uh, an English, that's a Greek word, uh, which has been taken up in the English language. You can find it in English language uh, dictionaries, good dictionaries. It refers to the glorious return of Christ in the flesh. What was promised when he ascended into heaven, that uh, he would come again, and come again in great glory. Now, the New Testament uh, speaks about Christ coming in his kingdom and Christ coming in power. Uh, That's found in the gospel accounts, and that's not what is being spoken of uh, here. The uh, coming in the kingdom and coming in power uh, is uh, a phrase uh, that uh, refers to uh, Christ's ascension into heaven, It's based on Daniel 7. Uh, I saw in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. If you just uh, weren't familiar with Daniel 7 and you just heard those words, Daniel says, I had a vision, and I saw, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there comes one like the son of man. You might think that he's he's speaking about the glorious return, the parousia, when Christ comes again on the clouds. But if you read just a little further, you'll see that that's not what he's referring to. The coming on the clouds was, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. The Ancient of Days is a reference to God the Father. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that will not be destroyed. Christ came into his kingdom and he 
came into his power when he ascended into heaven on the clouds. And that's what Daniel had a vision of hundreds of years before it actually happened. He saw Christ ascend on the clouds. And so Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to see that in your lifetime. You're going to see that in your lifetime. You're going to see me come with power and come into my kingdom because you're going to see the ascension. And not only did they see the ascension, but then uh, uh, 30 years or 40 years later, they saw a, uh, a prophecy fulfilled that proved that Christ was on the throne. Uh, Psalm 2 says that uh, God has installed his king in Zion, his holy hill. And if you don't kiss the sun, then you're going to be destroyed with a rod of iron. And uh, so after Christ ascended into heaven and was seated on the throne and received his kingdom and received his power, the uh, Israelite uh, people were given 40 years to hear the gospel. And during that time, uh, the enemies of uh, the apostles said they've turned the whole world upside down by preaching. They preached everywhere. And uh, Paul says uh, the gospel has been preached to every creature under heaven. So uh, everybody had had uh, opportunity to hear the gospel And after 40 years, in A.D. 70, God gathered together a great number of those who had heard the gospel and refused to believe, and they were smashed with a rod of iron. Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed in fulfillment of the prophecy of Matthew 24. Not one stone will be left upon another, and you'll see this in your lifetime. And it was a sign that Christ is on the throne, that he's come into his kingdom and he's come into his power. But now there is another coming of the Lord. First, he comes into his kingdom and comes into his power at his ascension. But then also there is his return when he comes with glory to judge the living and the dead. And that is what is being referred to here. Christ is coming uh, to uh, uh, bring his uh, uh, the fullness of the salvation that he has accomplished to us. So the when of this verse uh, is uh, the end of the present age uh, and the beginning of the age to come. Now when Christ comes, what grace uh, will be given at that time? Well, again, it's uh, referred to earlier in the chapter, uh, the salvation that is ready to be revealed. There is a salvation ready to be revealed. It is an inheritance an inheritance that is laid up for us in heaven, an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That salvation, that inheritance is what is going to be revealed. Uh, This is a wonderful inheritance. Uh, All earthly inheritances are the exact opposite of those three things. All earthly inheritances uh, perish. They have become defiled. They, uh, they can uh, lead people into great sin uh, through the love of money or whatever. Uh, but this salvation is uh, perfect in every way. It consists of the resurrection of our bodies. It consists of the cleansing of the earth by fire. It consists of the descent of the city Jerusalem. The heavenly Jerusalem will come down to earth. God will t- take up residence upon the earth. And uh, he will come and and wipe every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more mourning, no more pain, no more death, but all things made new. Uh, We will live in his presence in ever-increasing glory in a world uh, where the curse of sin is no more. Uh, The curse that has been laid upon the earth because of mankind's sin will be lifted 
uh, it has been dealt with by Christ at the cross and uh, will be removed finally when he comes again and ushers in this grace. This is a salvation ready to be revealed, a future salvation. I don't know if you're aware of it or not or have thought about it or not, but the word salvation is used in the Bible with all three uh, verb tenses, past, present, and future. Uh, You can say biblically, we have been saved. You can say biblically, we are being saved. And you can say biblically, we will be saved. With regard to the past tense, we say we have been justified. Uh, The guilt of our sin has been removed. Christ has come and obeyed the law perfectly. He has fulfilled all righteousness and then also suffered the penalty that our sins deserve uh, so that uh, he has uh, fulfilled all righteousness and on our behalf. And when we put our faith in him, that righteousness is credited to us. And when it is credited to us, we are forgiven and our guilt is gone. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have been saved, saved by the blood of Christ, saved by his perfect righteousness and satisfaction being credited to you and uh, you being justified through faith in him. But your salvation also consists of sanctification. And uh, God is at work in you now uh, to uh, work out your salvation. Uh, The guilt of your sin is completely taken care of, but the corruption of sin is still there. Uh, Particularly, we are conscious of it uh, with the the deterioration of our bodies. Outwardly, we are wasted away. But uh, it's also uh, quite evident in that uh, our old nature, our fleshly nature, makes war against the soul. And there is a conflict going on within us. And we, we sin. We sin every day. And so we have not yet been fully saved with regard to sanctification. Uh, We are being saved with regard to sanctification. But then we look forward to glorification, which is not just our spirit being taken to be with God, because glorification has to include our bodies as well. Glorification will be complete when uh, the resurrection comes. And and that's that's what is being referred to, uh, the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the end time when Christ comes again. The salvation when... Uh, it will uh, encompass our flesh as well as our spirits. Uh, we will be uh, forgiven, we will be cleansed, and we will be made whole and well in body and spirit. This is the grace that will be given to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even now we have the beginning of it, the first fruits of it, the down payment of the Holy Spirit, The gift of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit are a glorious gift of God, but we're told in Scripture that it's it's just a down payment. It's just the beginning. It's, It's the sign that more is coming. And we're to set our hope on that. We're to rest our hope on that. You know, I, I usually prefer the uh, ESV translation, and uh, in the ESV it says, uh, set your hope on the grace that will be given to you. And uh, But the King James says, rest your hope. And I kind of like that word rest a little bit better because uh, you put it there and you leave it there. Uh, we're, we're tempted so often to uh, set our hope on something and then we, we lose sight of it and we set our hope on something else. And uh, 
uh, we, we flop from this and that and the other thing, thinking, oh, this will make my life better, this will make my life better. If I only had this, if I only had that, no, rest your hope. Put your hope down on Christ and leave it there. And don't waver from it. Meditate upon this day and night, uh, the, the wonder and joy that is before us. Uh, this is what uh, Peter is uh, telling us to do. Now, why does he do that? Well, he's, he's told us earlier again in the passage why we need to do that. He says, although this salvation is, is ready to be revealed, he says, uh, but now uh, you have to uh, suffer grief uh, by all kinds of trials. You know, the Bible is quite clear that this life isn't meant to be easy, even for Christians. Psalm 34 says, many are the afflictions of the wicked? No, that's not what it says. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous people suffer a lot. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. And, uh, only through uh, many trials uh, do we uh, enter the kingdom, says Paul. And Peter says, now, now you may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. Life is hard. And uh, therefore we have to Gird up our minds, be sober-minded, be realistic, and, and recognize that, that our hope is not in this world. I knew a, a lady once uh, in one of the churches I served who was uh, in her 80s and uh, very discouraged. She, uh, she was in ill health and had a lot of pain. Her husband was in ill health and in pain and uh, they had adult children who were a great disappointment to them, who had brought shame and disgrace on the family. And she said to me, where are the golden years? Where are the golden years? I thought this was supposed to be the golden years. It became evident that, that she thought that when you got old, life was supposed to get easy and you, you're supposed to uh, not have to go to work anymore. You can relax and you can... Enjoy the fruit of your labors, enjoy good health and strength and, and delight in your family and in your position and so forth. She was looking forward to her golden years. That's what she had set her hope on and she was so disappointed that it wasn't there. Well, I can assure you that the golden years aren't to be found inside of, of, uh, of the resurrection. The golden years are in the age to come and that's where we need to set our hope. Life Life doesn't get easier. Life gets harder. Uh, you know, uh, in this uh, congregation, the, uh, the elders have made a list of everybody who's over 80. And the idea is that uh, the elders will visit them and the pastor will visit them. And uh, some of the people in the over 80 uh, wonder why they need to get visits. Well, because the older you get, the harder life gets. You begin to lose your health. You begin to uh, uh, recognize that you may lose your spouse and you uh, may lose your, your house and have to live in a, a care facility. And these trials all come upon you when you're physically weak. And, and so it's, it's good that uh, the elders have this uh, list of people that, that need to have uh, visits or ought to be visited and uh, you shouldn't, if you're on that list, uh, shun those visits, but, but welcome them because uh, 
we need all the encouragement that we can uh, that we can get for uh, this life that we have to lead. Uh, this is also we also ought to do it because this is what the saints of old did. Uh, we read about uh, Abraham. Abraham uh, was content to live in a tent because he was looking forward to the city that had foundations, whose designer and builder is God. You have to contrast that with his nephew, Lot, who was not content to live in tents. He wanted to live in a city, a city in, on this earth. He thought, you know, living in tents and living out in the open like that, it's, uh, camping is, is rough. It's, it's not so nice. Uh, life is better in the city. And so he kept on pitching his tent closer to the city until he's finally in the city. And he was looking for a city here. And because he was looking for a city here and now, he and his family suffered great ruin. Don't set your hope on anything in this world. Set your hope on the grace that will be given you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And there was Moses, Moses who chose to be mistreated with the people of God and to rather than enjoy, enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He could have lived as a son of Pharaoh, uh, lived in, in the court, lived in great wealth, enjoyed good food and uh, leisure and uh, a life to be envied by all the, the poor people and the hungry people of the world. But he, he gave it up because he was looking to the reward. He was looking to the reward. He knew that there was something beyond this life. He could have had a good life here and now, but that would to be forsake, forsake the reward that is coming. In uh, Hebrews 10.34, I, I don't uh, read this passage, but uh, there's, uh, it says, You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. One of our ministers was uh, fined a couple thousand dollars in uh, British Columbia because he uh, refused to, to follow the, the health standards that were uh, too uh, onerous as far as he was concerned. Uh, he's losing uh, worldly wealth. Uh, it says here they joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property in previous times when they were persecuted like that. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they knew they had something better than property, something better than money in this life. They had an abiding home. They were looking like Abraham to something better. In Hebrews 12, it says, uh, look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Lots of people have written about what it was that he was thinking about, the joy that was set before him. Was it the joy of returning to his Father in heaven? Was it the joy of seeing his people redeemed and uh, rejoicing in those for whom he died? I'm sure it included all of those things, or both of those things. Uh, but he, he could see beyond the cross, and he was able to endure the cross because he set his eyes and his hope on that joy, that future joy. 
in the coming year, he's going to have trials and tribulations. And we're going to need strength to endure. The coming year is going to have hard work that needs to be done. Whether you work in a factory or in the field, whether you work in the home or the school, whether you, your work is uh, knitting and praying, whatever your work is, uh, volunteering in the community, there's hard work to be done. Where do you get the strength to do that work? Well, the saints of old got their strength by setting their hope on the grace that will be revealed or the grace that will be given them when Christ is revealed, when he comes again. Are you setting your hope, resting your hope in Jesus? Or are you looking for the golden years, or looking for a bigger house, or a bigger boat, or a fancier car, or more money in your portfolio? What's your hope? The only hope that won't disappoint is the grace that will be given you the revelation of Jesus Christ. May God give us such faith in the year ahead and in all the years he gives us. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this admonition to (coughs) gird up our minds and prepare for action by setting our hope on that grace which will be given to us when Christ comes again. Help us, O Father, to not love the things of this world not love money, which is the root of all evil, but instead to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, knowing you will take care of us now. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.